Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvot Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvotisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. How should we, as disciples of Yeshua, respond to the politics of our day? Does the gospel have something relevant as a response to Charlottesville, or to the political arena, or race relations, or responding to hatred, or responding to the words and actions of our government or president, or the demonstrations that surround us? Can we look to our Torah portion and glean a response to the surrounding chaos with a message of hope and order? And if so, how can we respond in a way that is relevant and timely and kind? Is there a message of hope in this book that we call the Bible? And if so, what is the nature of that hope? In my previous sermons in this series of the Kingdom of God, we explored the idea that the narrative of Scripture can be viewed as two kingdoms in opposition to one another. The kingdom of Babel, or Babylon, which is, again, self, violence against the poor and marginalized, usurping the throne of God and calling evil good and good evil. And then, on the other hand, the kingdom of God, also called the kingdom of heaven, forgiveness, healing, reconciliation, humility, and love. And we've seen that the kingdom as expressed in the ministry of Yeshua brings this idea, the kingdom of God, to its fullness. It is the upside-down kingdom of humility, where the least are the greatest, and the greatest are the least, where love conquers hate, where the King Yeshua comes not to deliver violently like David or Gideon or Samson or Batman, but by giving his life to overcome evil. The kingdom of God is at hand, inaugurated by the ministry of Yeshua, and now we in a new covenant reality are called to bring forth this kingdom, to participate in it, to give hands and feet to the vision of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. This is the kingdom of heaven. Part three, moving forward in the kingdom. The year was around 604 BCE. We were in exile in the kingdom of Babylon for our gross sins of idolatry and injustice. King Nebuchadnezzar had a bizarre and troubling dream, which he demanded that all of his astrologers interpret and also tell him the dream first. And none of them could do it. And so the king decided to put them all to death. 
But there was a prophet and a dream interpreter named Daniel, and he heard about this, and he asked God to reveal the dream to him and the interpretation. And then Daniel was summoned to recount and interpret King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, which was about the kingdoms of the earth. He told him of a large statue with different parts to it, which represented various kingdoms. And then he interpreted it. He interpreted it in Daniel 2, verse 31 and following. This is what Daniel said to the king. This is what you dreamt. So he told him the vision, and then he explained it. Now we will give the king its interpretation. Your majesty, king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the strength and the glory, so that wherever people, wild animals, or birds in the air live, he has handed them over to you and enable you to rule over them all. You are the head of gold. See, the image, the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had was of a statue with different parts and different metals. But after you, another kingdom will rise, inferior to you, than a third kingdom of bronze, which will rule the whole world. The fourth kingdom will be as strong as iron. Iron can break anything into pieces, pulverize it, and crush it. So just as iron can crush anything, this kingdom will break the other kingdoms into pieces and crush them. Finally, you saw the feet and toes of this statue, made partly of pottery clay and partly of iron. And so Daniel goes on to interpret uh, the, the statue and the various kingdoms that it represents. And then he says this, In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will establish a kingdom that will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not pass into the hands of another people. It will break to pieces and consume all of those kingdoms. But it itself will stand forever. Like the stone you saw, which without human hands separated itself from the mountain and broke to pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. So there was a stone that came off of a mountain and broke to pieces that all of those kingdoms And it itself was an eternal kingdom. Here we see a vision of various kingdoms. We could say politics or nation states, which will ultimately fade. But another kingdom, not made by human hands, which will never be destroyed and will someday overtake the whole earth. This is the kingdom of God. And the stone which separated itself from the mountain and broke all of those kingdoms, is the Messiah King who establishes this eternal kingdom. These images were very frightening to Daniel, and we are told several times how disturbed he was by the visions of these kingdoms and rulers of powerful nations. If we think back to the times of the prophets, we can empathize with their situation and how they must have felt. They're proclaiming hope and judgment in the context of massive political powers overthrowing the nation of Israel. Or in this case, they were proclaiming hope and judgment while Israel is totally under captivity from the nation-state of Babylon. Again, this is the same Babylon which itself is the archetype for the Bavel of the entire narrative of Scripture, the kingdom of self, violence toward the innocent, Rejection of God's Torah and his love, the redefinition of good and evil, 
the usurping of the kingship and the throne of God. That is Babylon. So when we are surrounded by great powers, by groups that seem to have influence or the power to do evil, we can take comfort in these words of the prophets because they experienced this firsthand. As it was in their day, so it is in ours. God is on the throne. His kingdom is above all nations, kingdoms, and powers, and he is in control. Can I get an amen to that? Adonai Melech, Adonai Malach, Adonai Yimloch, Leolam Va'ed. We proclaim to this today. The Lord reigns. The Lord has reigned. The Lord will reign forever and ever. This is not a biblical platitude. This is a profound truth that has dramatic implications on our daily lives and our perspective. The kingdom of God, as fully expressed in Yeshua, the servant king, is over all of these other kingdoms and nations, including and especially the United States of America. So how then should we respond to the larger politic? Should we withdraw, go off the grid, and get away from society like the, the Essenes? That's what they did. Should we be political at all? Should we assimilate into the larger culture of America? Should we unquestionably support the actions of our leaders? Should we participate in the political process? And if so, how? Scripture seems to indicate a dual role, as if we have a dual citizenship. Those who are disciples of the King Yeshua and live in this nation are citizens of the United States and citizens of the kingdom of heaven. In terms of investing ourselves in the kingdom of Babylon or wherever we find ourselves, we have this scripture from Jeremiah 21, sorry, 29, verses 4 through 7. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Let me say that again. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. This is the concept of seeking the good of the nation or politic where we are in. Pray for Richmond. Seek the good of Virginia. Pray for the prosperity of the United States. Participate in the politic, the nation state. When asked if we should pay our taxes, Yeshua responds with the enigmatic, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. After affirming that the face on the coin of that era was indeed Caesar. Pay your taxes. Vote. Participate in society. Be in the world, in other words. 
But of course, the rest of that verse says, but not of the world. This is our other citizenship. In Philippians 3.20, Paul reminds us, but we are citizens of heaven. And it is from there that we expect a deliverer, the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. And Paul also gives us an interesting counterpart to the Jeremiah text. This is in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 29 through 31. What I'm saying, brothers, is that there's not much time left. From now on, a man with a wife should live as if he had none. Those who are sad should live as if they weren't. And those who are happy as if they weren't. And those who deal in worldly affairs as if not engrossed in them. Because the present scheme of things in this world won't last much longer. So, that's interesting. Seems to apparently contradict what Jeremiah was saying. But there are two principles here. And they apparently contradict, but actually they go together. The idea is this. Seek the good of the city where you are exiles and pay your taxes and be a good citizen. But remember, your ultimate citizenship is in heaven. You are a citizen of America, but more importantly, you are a citizen of the King Yeshua, if indeed you have made him your king. Pray for our leaders and our government, but if our leaders and government are opposing the Torah of justice, love, and forgiveness, we should oppose our leaders and government. The law of Babylon that required Daniel not to pray to any god, lest he be fed to the lions. Do you think he listened to that law? No. It didn't stop him from praying three times a day because his ultimate law was the justice, love, and forgiveness found in the Torah. The Torah and the kingdom of God expressed through the living Torah, Yeshua, are higher than the laws of this nation. We obey the laws of this nation, but we oppose them when they contradict the kingdom of God. Discerning when and how they contradict, however, is another matter, perhaps another sermon. But let us hold this dual citizenship in our minds as we look at how to move forward in the kingdom of God. In the biblical narrative, every earthly kingdom eventually becomes Babylon, the kingdom of self. This is perhaps what Paul means when he indicates that the kingdom of this world is fading away in the 1 Corinthians text that I read you. Perhaps the United States will be different. We pray that it will. But if it does succumb to the problem of Adam and Eve trying to become its own God, then the citizens of heaven have the duty to speak about the principles of the kingdom. Some will say that we are a Judeo-Christian nation, that our moral foundations are sound, one nation under God. Some will point to our historic sins of stealing and persecuting from the, the Native Americans and immigrants and minorities, our participation in the institution of slavery, our treatment of other countries as our own colonies. All I know is that which is good, we are called to support. And that which is evil, we are called to oppose. Remember, 
All other kingdoms will eventually fall. But our main kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, will last forever. And Yeshua will reign forever on the throne of King David. The underlying issue is that evil is not a person. Violence against other people is not going to bring peace. Yeshua's ethic and teaching squarely reject the vigilante justice of our superheroes like Batman. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, declares the scripture, but against the principalities of darkness. We are not to fight each other. We are to fight the unseen evils of this world, hatred, racism, anti-Semitism, pride, greed, selfishness, and the oppression of the poor. Evil is a sin problem, and the solution to the sin problem is found in the gospel. The teaching, life, suffering, messiahship, death, resurrection, and kingship of Yeshua of Nazareth. When the kingdom of heaven is consummated in the book of Revelation, when God finally confronts evil once and for all on that great day of the Lord and brings final judgment to evil and salvation to his children, the King Yeshua does not bring judgment in the way we might expect unless we've read through the accounts of this upside-down kingdom in the Gospels. Revelation 5, verses 5 through 6 says this. One of the elders said to me, don't cry. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has won the right to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw standing there with the throne and the four living beings in the circle of the elders, a lamb that appeared to have been slaughtered. We hear of a roaring lion who will tear apart evil. But behold, we see a lamb that was slain. Even in the world to come, even in Revelation. The slaughtered lamb conquers evil, not by killing his enemies, but by dying in their place. So how can we move forward in the kingdom of Yeshua? Through the ethic that he spoke of and exemplified, humility, servanthood, and forgiveness through living out the upside-down kingdom in our daily lives, choosing to bless our enemies, choosing to do good to those who hate us, choosing to take care of the poor, the widow, and the orphan, choosing to bring healing, choosing to forgive, to let go of the debts, the debts that we perceive others owe us. Choosing to be humble. Choosing to think of the other person before ourselves. Choosing to listen and to understand before trying to speak and be understood. Choosing to support and pray for our country and our leaders. And choosing to oppose our country, and our leaders when they deviate from the kingdom values that are our foundation as children of the kingdom of heaven. Choosing sacrificial love, redemption, and humility 
I want to close with some words of wisdom from this week's Parsha, Shoftim. Deuteronomy 17, 18, 20 says this, speaking of the future kings of Israel. When he has come to occupy the throne of his kingdom, he is to write a copy of this Torah for himself in a scroll. From the one the Kohanim and Leviim use, the, the priests and the Levites, it is to remain with him. He is to read in it every day as long as he lives so that he will learn to fear Adonai his God and keep all the words of this Torah and these laws and obey them so that he will not think he is better than his kinsmen, so that he will not turn aside either to the right or the left from the mitzvah, the commandment. In this way, he will prolong his own reign and that of his children in Israel. In all other systems, the king makes the law. The king is above the law. But in the kingdom of God, the king, the government, and the political body, they're subject to the Torah. That's why the king has to read it daily. Because the Torah, the kingdom of God, rules over him. Near the beginning of this week's Parsha, which was read a few minutes ago, comes this exhortation from Deuteronomy 16.20. Justice, justice, only justice, you must pursue so that you will live and inherit the land Adonai, your God, is giving you. Are we, the children of this kingdom, are we pursuing justice? Are we moving forward the kingdom of heaven? Let us take this season of Elul, the season of repentance, to allow God to show us how we can move forward in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of love, humility,